Welcome to another episode of Deck Hockey Focus. We are your number one source for all things deck hockey. And we are your hosts. I'm Chad Canelli, Eric Mock. Ryan Shackleford. And behind the scenes, we got producers Sean Clark and Michael Holst helping us out tonight. As always. But uh, so summer tournament just wrapped up. I would say the best tournament that we've ever seen, the Hands best down. tournament. I don't know how it's going to get much better than that, whether it be competition or just the environment in Tent City, which I'm still having withdrawals from. <laughs> but since the bumps and bruises and everything, sore muscles are all faded away, we thought we'd bring you guys a nice little wrap up here tonight. I don't think the tournament would have been what it was without, without not only the out-of-town teams that come brought the competition and brought you know all of their players and helped make everything happen, but I mean, locally from officials to my favorite which was joey dwyer announcing in the championship games and you can hear it in the background of my uh interview with marty there and joey just showed up 97x let us use their stuff and their equipment uh to really boost our sound and then joey just took it and made it his own definitely added a level of professionalism yeah no officiating as well yeah with rose dolan coming in um a pro ref that's actually what he does for a living coming in sunday refing those games and just took control well, the officiating is such a hard thing to do in such an environment like that when everybody's at each other's throats and there's money on the line and there's a lot of tension and sometimes beer involved. And then <laughs> we know that our fans aren't necessarily the greatest the entire time. But Rhodes, the best thing I've ever seen happen was that guy's got the most composure I've ever seen in my life. And he knows the game, but then people get to join and join and join and he turns to the team and i think he actually used to play with some of those guys too from waterloo and he barks at him and he goes hey shut up and then everybody in the stands gave him a standing ovation <laughs> and i've literally never seen an official get more applause than players scoring highlight reel goals so i mean that was just that was absolutely one of the highlights of the tournament but he really i mean he what does he rep in shanky uh, he does a lot of USHL, but he's also hitting the ECHL and then I think the AHL last year for a game or two. But yeah, you can tell the difference between me refing one of your games and when Rhodes shows up. So, and you could tell even as a fan, you know, sometimes you watch games and it gets slowed down by maybe the referee doesn't know what call to make. Maybe they have to check on something. Things are getting rowdy. And not only is that bad for the players, it's also not fun for the fans, but I just remember smooth sailing all through those games and I had a ton of fun watching it. Yeah, he, he controlled it really well. So we appreciate that. And then obviously, uh, if you guys are watching any of the interviews, we appreciate Chris Caspers and Edward Jones for helping us through and uh, just making easing the financial burden on us. Because I don't know if you guys know, but this all just we do this for the love of the game. We just want to bring you guys volunteer based here. We love doing it. It comes out of our own pocket. So when somebody's willing to help us out a little bit, uh, it just makes everything a lot easier and less stressful on us. So couldn't have done it without Chris Caspers and Edward Jones, as well as everybody that we interviewed top to bottom, uh, whether it's my new favorite player, Kane Freiberger, uh, or some of the out of town guys, everybody. It was just, it was totally amazing. Uh, but I think we should uh, transition that to the championship day. Let's give everybody a good look at who won, top performers, final results. We play for Sunday, so here it is. Uh, kicking off here, let's go with the little guys, right? Um, Junior Mallards, last year's champion, taking on Pittsburgh. Which is my new favorite team. Is it? Yeah, that's Kane. Nice. Watch that interview. That kid's amazing. I know. I was there. He was wearing <laughs> my jersey. <laughs> Actually, uh, Pittsburgh, the junior Pittsburgh team, took the Mallards down on that one, upset the champions. They were really good. Yeah, they, they were. brought a lot of talent and uh, they're sh- just good, good for them. And I think that's good for us around here to kind of see what I think sometimes we might be a little isolated in our own 
our own little cornfield, as some people might see it out on the East Coast, but I promise we don't live in cornfields, but... Soybean fields. But being able to have them come here and and show what it can be like when you live in an area that has tons and tons and tons of youth hockey and see what that can look like, I think that's only going to motivate kids to strive for perfection. Yeah, so. it, well, it level sets teams here of like, actually, what are we doing and where are we in the grand scheme of things? And as we go through this, you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of out-of-time teams took championships this year. So I think locally here, we're going to have to – captains or managers or however we approach the tournament as teams and players, we're going to have to reevaluate how we do this. Absolutely. But, yeah, that junior, that junior Pittsburgh team, we hope they keep coming back because you're the team to beat now. We Absolutely. Uh, but then let's go to D4 and then let's work our way to the D1s. Uh, so what was our D our D four champions? Uh, Fresh ones, smoothie criminals. Oh yeah, I like the name. <laughs> Solid. But I think that game ended what seven one. Seven one, yeah. It seemed to be either very close games or blowouts in the championship game, and this one, uh, definitely uh, the smoothie criminals uh, took that. It took them and, seven to one. And you could see the uh, top two scores in uh, D four were from uh, smoothie criminals with Jordan Wrangle and Cliff Durham uh, oh, with. Right. 14 points for Wrangle and uh, 12 points for Durham. When so, you got the top two scores in the league, yeah. uh, you're going to be doing good things. And assuming that they they probably played on the same line, so they're probably helping each other a lot, they sort of took over there in D4. Uh, but stars of the game. First one, Cliff Durham. Two goals, followed up by Jordan Wrangle. Just mentioned those names. Uh, came out with four assists. And Brett uh, Goodmanson with two goals, all from uh, fresh ones. But hey, we got a local team. That's always good. Yeah. Uh, unlike D3, which was heartbreaking for me, for one, just because anytime a Mafia team loses, it it really shakes us here at Deck Hockey Focus to our core. Uh, but <laughs> no, Mafia, I was on the bench for the majority of that game, and then I had to end up doing some interviews and things like that. But Pittsburgh, what were they? Pittsburgh United? Pittsburgh United. Pittsburgh United really played a great game. Uh, they've got that younger guy. Isn't that that... Shorter guy, he was he was really good. He's got a bit of an attitude, but the little guy, it, yeah. If yeah, somebody could, if about. somebody could teach him to keep his his Composure emotions cool. in check, yeah. he would he would move up. He could easily play D two. I'll bet you in a year or two if he got some size to him. Yeah, no, uh, but and then Mafia Mafia lost their cool. Their environment on their bench was toxic. Yeah, no. Once they once they got down, it they weren't able to get back up there. And what I saw, and sorry guys, we're just gonna call this out because it happened. A lot of overshifting. Dakota played like a five-minute shift. Like they just dug too deep to get back into it and didn't get back to their core game. That got them there. And I think the mentality behind that is you put too much pressure on yourself to get it done, and instead of putting yourself in the best situation to get it done, Correct. so you maybe are frustrated with your shift, so you go too long, and then in reality that just that adds to it. it just compounds poor on performance, itself and, and then it's more snowballs. negativity and blah blah blah. But either way, that Pittsburgh team was very. Very talented. I mean, we, they, they played really well throughout the entire tournament. So uh, we hope to see them back and, you know, maybe we'll take the title from you next year <laughs> if you guys will tone it down a little bit and give us a chance. But uh, And I can only, totally understand why some like Dakota would try to do that because he was the number one scorer. He had 17 points. He's putting a lot of pressure on himself to help his team. And when he sees them go down, he's like, oh, I got to do something about it. And a lot of players will, will do that and say, I got to go out just a little longer, see if I can try to – get that goal that'll kind of change the momentum. And then also too with the with the the winners of the tournament, they uh Pittsburgh, it's kind of interesting to see how they got there. They only had one win in regulation before that point. You're they kidding. Had two losses, two sh- shootout wins and an overtime win. 
Yeah. And so they kind oh, of. But then they were used to playing to the final buzzer. Yeah. Maybe. So I think they might have had a, a different level of grit that might have helped them out. They were a completely different team on Sunday. Yeah. When they played on Sunday, they showed up. Uh, Mafia Belfast uh, played them in the first game. The That's number right. two seed versus. I remember that. They were second to last seed. Pittsburgh was. Came in and Mafia went up quick, two goals. And then Pittsburgh just, they didn't back down. They didn't stop. They just kept grinding, kept going, and they stuck to their core game plan, and they got it done. And that's what they did every game on Sunday, is they just stuck to their core, stuck to what they're good at, and stuck to their system. And obviously, it worked. And I I think that's where some other teams fell on Sunday, is either they got too tired, or they got frustrated, and they let emotions get the best of them. So is that score right? 9-1? to Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I didn't remember it like that. But Another thing, too, is some players play on two teams, and so it makes you wonder... Come Sunday, are you a little too tired to kind of play your best, or do you try to do, go with the strategy of just well, that's playing what on I one was thinking. team? So when we're looking at the the top scorers and top performers at this level, I didn't even realize Barry was playing yeah. in D three. Yeah, Barry. Barry Barry's unreal. Uh, so he he actually rounded out the scoring with fourteen points, and then Justin Miller. I wonder if that's that kid I was just talking about. I honestly, White I'm Helmet. not sure. White yeah, is that him? White Helmet. White Helmet. Number eleven for Pittsburgh. Okay. Very good. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. So he had 15 points, and then, uh, as we said, Dakota, who got stifled a little bit in that championship game, still ended up with 17 points. So great performance, great tournament for him, even though the championship maybe doesn't reflect that. Uh, but congratulations to Pittsburgh. D2. NDA teams. Yeah. Kept I mean, it as local as we could. That was that was uh, Iowa heavy there, because I know we beat out Caspers. That's a local team, and, and so on and so forth. And then Springfield uh, and Waterloo, who actually – after playing against them, I had a feeling that that was going to be what it was. Spring and then yeah. my prediction going in was that if Waterloo can keep their heads, they can win unless Harvey plays lights out. And, and Harvey, Harvey played, played lights out. Harvey had a great tournament. Harvey showed up just Every, unreal. Top of his It game. was old Harvey again. Yep. Absolutely. Harvey's, I feel like we've been giving him a bad rap or maybe he's been underperforming in a few scenarios, but he was – he was tournament Harvey. Yep, and it showed. Yeah, no, there, there's not much more to say about that. Harvey played out of his mind. He robbed the crap out of me more than once. And it still <laughs> bothers me. Yeah, no, I, I think Springfield. Uh, you know, like Mock just said, the first game when we played them on Saturday morning, like they were good. And coming into it, I, I think they have a very, they have a core team. They're they all play together. They all grew up together. They all know each other or you have relationships. So they're they're a very consistent, very well gelled group over it <laughs> and you mentioned that you thought you know if they could keep kind of their heads straight they had uh four separate penalties that game in the championship they were a so wild does hurt. they were a wild team i mean they yeah. i was on their bench doing some snapchat stuff and uh so giacchino was on their bench and coaching them and in the championship he was he was loose he was on fire he was loose yeah. man yeah it was oh, yeah. it did <laughs> Joe, rein it in, buddy. Your team could have won. Uh, but no, I think that that was that was a heavily contested league, uh, higher than we're used to with two with D two yeah. level there. But and just before we move on from that, I think uh, Jack Healy, who does a lot for Springfield Deck Hockey, lives down there. You know, he put together that team, and that's who that, I was going to mention. That group he was really exhibits a lot of leadership absolutely. on that team, and. For a younger guy like that, for people that respect him, there was honestly one of my least favorite portions of the tournament was there was this guy that I've just been, I've been taking a task on the faceoffs, and we had one and I I won it from him and it went straight out of play and we lined up again and Healy just goes 
just let me take just let me take it. And I was just like, oh no. And he just <laughs> wrecked me. I don't think I've ever won a face off against him. But yeah. he just he he quarterbacks well and he's not he just doesn't get his emotions out of check and things. So that that he helps his lot team of, stay in line. Yeah, no. He he does a lot for that team and a lot for Springfield Deck hockey. And you know, it's good that uh they were able to come out with the championship there. D one. What about D one? D one played? I think there were a couple of games. Competition was Okay. Decent, I guess. No, I mean, seriously, guys, as we said, moving into this, the D1 competition this year was darn near a pro-level tournament. Yeah. It, um, I think there's maybe another notch we can reach in order to be considered maybe the best in, in North America. Uh, we got to step it up a little bit more. But as far as what we've seen around here, that's better than I – that's better competition. It's better tenfold. play than I ever thought we would see in the quad cities. Um, a lot of good things happening there. Yeah, the most uh, out-of-town people who have come in for D1 – and you can only imagine increasing in the future too. Well, and good time to mention here is uh, Sean Clark has video of all of the D1 games. So we've got the GoPros up there. We've edited that with a lot of cool graphics and things like that. And I'm, I want to encourage everybody that if you haven't had a chance to see these games or if you need a refresher, maybe you weren't in the best position to see some of the goals or you had a couple of beers and you don't remember – We've got great footage of everything. Yeah, they're all stats involved. Uh, everything, man. It it's, looks like it's on ESPN. It's yeah, it's all coming it's, out it's on pro Facebook. level, pro level presentation. And you can learn a lot from it too. So as I've been watching it, I've been I've been looking at some of these guys. Uh, you know, uh, Pruel from Pruel. the Louisiana team, and the way that some of the deckhead guys run their thing, and the way that they explore the space. You can see all of that in those videos, and you can learn so much in such a short period of time just by being able to pause and be like, okay, let's watch that again, and let's see. The guy that scored, let's see how he got open. Uh, so go and look at those. How the play developed and how, yeah. how it all came came to be. Use it as a tutorial to, to help bring your game to the next level and also just for its entertainment value because the D1 games... I talked to Pat. Guess how many people they estimate were at watching the championship in D1? Uh, 3,000. Uh, he was saying right around a grand. He said uh, just over a grand, which... Because not only did they have their stream going, but Louisiana had a stream going. I'm talking just at the deck. Oh, just at, at the deck. Just physically exactly. watching it, yeah. No phones involved. Yeah, the video and the live feeds are thousands and thousands and thousands oh, of Oh, yeah, it'd be way higher than that. But, I mean, there were people on top of the shed and, like, <laughs> they're climbing trees to watch the game, it seemed like. We might have but, to get with the city of Bettendorf and, like, stadium seat this yeah. thing. But so, Deckheads in spectacular fashion took down who I thought actually would win. I was actually batting back and forth because of the Louisiana team, I wasn't sure what exactly that was going to be like. But after knowing what I knew about the Pittsburgh gods, I could have seen them just walking away with the entire tournament. Yeah. And uh, so I thought it was honestly going to be Pittsburgh gods over Louisiana in the championship, obviously rooting for the deckheads and things like that. As cool as the Pittsburgh guys are. I well, I'll be honest. And I said it on the last episode, so let's talk about it here. I didn't have the deckheads even close to a championship game. I, I thought it was going to be Louisiana, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Like they ended up playing extremely well. Once they transitioned from the five on five to the three on three, once they figured it yeah. out, that's when they were starting to get a lot of work done. They had a slow start. Uh, they lost a heartbreaker in the semifinals to the Deckheads. I was shocked by that game. Yeah, and then this one right here, Deckheads over Louisiana. Deckheads down, what, 5-2 to two with a three minutes left? Pull Marty and then stage that comeback. I it was maybe a little more than that time-wise. but It might have even been, yeah. It, it was that's like one closer of those to five minutes maybe, but... That's one thing that really surprised four, me four, is how... 
early they pulled the goalie and how that was a well theme they, for were, the tournament they were they were able to uh maintain control well, of the ball. and that was something that Corey had touched on uh either when i was interviewing him or maybe just in one of our conversations is that he said that going from five on five that they're used to which is a lot a lot more similar to ice hockey with more, the way you structure breakouts and the way that line changes can work they're a lot less stressful on line changes uh you gain the zone slower but he even said little things like pulling the goalie super early can just get you goal after goal after goal after goal. And that's not something that you're used to in a more, I guess, typical five on five environment. I, I guess everything that yeah. we talk about is loosely based around ice. So five on five would be the closest uh, ball hockey equivalent to that. But that was something that I don't think they've seen. So they really had an adjustment period to the point where he even said there were points in our first game where we were like, there's only three of us. Where do we line up on faceoffs? Yeah. And you know, that's something that you learned when you were a kid and now you're in the prime of your hockey career and you're figuring out where to stand. You have to relearn that. You have to start over, hit the reset button. But and yeah, figure so out a hockey we game. were very impressed with how quick those guys overcame. Just it's got to be it feels so uncomfortable dealing with a different amount of space and, and everything like that. But I, I got to hand it to Louisiana. Yeah, those uh, guys were, were good. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, Steve Prue, four goals in that game. Uh, they didn't come out with a win, but 20 points, 15 goals, five assists. That guy. Did he lead? Yeah. That guy would stick handle himself out of, in a phone booth and still come out of it with three defenders around him. Yeah. Like it, insane. He was making top level players. Yeah, I, I think uh, LeBlanc, Simone LeBlanc said it in the interview. He's the best player in the world. So if you were at that championship game or throughout the weekend, you had a chance to watch that Louisiana team. Yeah. You got to watch the top. So go, go back and watch. And if you got your finger on the skipper, uh, on the skipper button on the slide bar of our videos, go back to the second period when Louisiana really started to take the lead. And he has two goals in one shift. And the way that he gets open, he's, he's one of the best players that I've ever seen in any level of hockey. The way that he just commands the space. game around. Yes. He just, he handles space so well. But he doesn't stand out. He's not an overwhelming, you know, like Pat. All eyes are on Pat when Pat has the ball. He's behind the curtains just being amazing. Yeah. And that there's a two-goal span in the second period where he puts two of them home. And I've watched it five or six times trying to be like, how can I try to figure – I need to be able to do this. Pull it back. It's a he, – he seems more like a, in mock terms, toil and obscurity. Yes. He's not the loudest player. He's not going to be the, he's not the biggest name or like tries to be that guy. He shows up, he gets work done, and he's probably the best we've seen at deck hockey in the Quad Cities doing it. I'll Let's, say as as a fan, I I didn't even really notice him. I knew he was scoring, but I, he kind of like, I kind of figured it was multiple people doing that. And then when I look at the stats, I was like, whoa, he, 20 points in six games. And then another kind of unassuming player they had was St. Vincent, their goalie. You know, sometimes you you hear him more uh, in years past, but this year he just kind of stuck to his game, played quiet, and he uh, led the D1 with an 87 save percentage and played pretty well throughout the whole tournament. Yeah, an 8-7, like we've talked about it before, an 8-7 in deck, particularly in a tournament, is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, you don't go above 9 hardly ever, which reminds me, we need to talk about Freiburger. Oh, but so let's let's wrap up with this quick because so deckheads are down what we say five to two yep in mm-hmm. the third five minutes left ish pull the goalie and I thought they were out of it I had no idea 
how on earth they were going to come back. It was going to be a crippling defeat. And I thought it was a predictable way to end. You know, yeah. I thought that, that it would be a closer score, but I was a little bit defeated in the stands. But, you know, it's good to have that kind of competition here. And then goal goes in and I'm like, oh boy, we got life. We got some jump in us. That first one just kickstarted the whole thing. The heads came back up, like the bench got loud again and they were, they're ready to rock and roll. But well, and it was Leibinger all over the, the, stat sheet adam and chris as it looks like yeah yeah in the third to close that gap um but then i would say the biggest goal of all was once it was tied up i thought we were playing for some ot i thought we were gonna see extra hockey and then scully gets one I i won't say all alone but a nice shooting opportunity from high slot center kind of center line area and just rings one home through traffic and it wasn't a beaut by any means, but you're spraying and praying at that point, and the momentum is in their favor. And it was just, it was a tilt. It was a tilted deck. Yeah, the the stars aligned. Once they got that first goal, it was they were going 100 miles an hour. You could just tell by, not necessarily the attitude, but the atmosphere of that bench just completely changed. And it was <laughs> let's go, boys, and they <laughs> went. Sorry about our fans. Anyone from Louisiana or from. Uh, up north there uh we like our bush light a lot and we like our teams to win we're actually really nice people when we're not playing against you but uh the crowd the crowd was definitely one-sided it was it was a home game for the deckheads for sure oh yeah but so notable performances from the tournament we've talked overwhelmingly about Pruel, but i would say the the standout goaltender uh, is right way Zach Zach Freiberger. Absolutely. I mean, he. I'm gonna credit him with a shutout, and I don't know if we can pull this up. They were playing against Louisiana. Maybe it was. It was a later game. I don't. They remember. ended up winning. I know. It. What you're, I know the game you're talking they about. They ended up winning. It. And he had a he had a shutout going into. I mean, they scored with maybe 20 seconds left or something to break it from being a shutout. 30 seconds. And it was an own goal. It was an own goal. So he just had stopped. He'd gone post to post, stopped the backdoor one-timer. One of the greatest saves I've ever seen. And I was right there on the goal line. I had the best view of it. They literally opened up the exact same play again. And Freiberger cuts across. And literally at the exact same time, one of his defensemen, it was um, Wareham. Wareham steps like to cut off the pass. It bounces off his foot and goes through Freiberger. Ah. That was the only goal they scored on in that. So we said goalies don't get above a 9% save percentage. 9-6-3 here, boys. 9-6-3. Yeah, out, out-dueled St. Vincent on that one. That yeah. was a goalie battle. Well, and how old is Freiberger? He's 19. Wow. Yeah, he's still a kid. And not only were we impressed by Freiberger, I mean, I talked to Corey Hirsch uh, with the Pittsburgh Gods and – he spent about five minutes on the phone raving. He's like, I want him to come out here. I think I want him to go to this tournament. Like, I need people to see this kid. And his opinion is highly valued, highly educated. Yeah. One of the greatest ball hockey teams out there handles uh, handles the five on five team US USA. team. So if he says that you're something special, yeah. that means a lot more than when Shackleford, myself, <laughs> or when Chad say. So. Take that uh, and and Pat Freiberger on the back because yeah. he's just – he's lights out. And a goalie that can show up when it's time to show up is something that is hard to find. Well, I mean, he had mentioned that in his interview 
uh, one of the first ones we did at the tournament that in D1... Steal some games. Goalies are going to have to steal games. They're going to have to make saves that you typically wouldn't expect, and they're going to have to stand on their head. And that's in a couple of games. I mean, they beat Pittsburgh. Freiburger beat Pittsburgh. Yeah, he did. In this game right here against Louisiana, Freiburger beat Louisiana. Nothing against their team or anything like that, but I was telling him they had a couple of games where I was like, you can't win if your team scores one goal. Yeah. Not in not in three on three, not at this high level. You gotta you gotta be able to put the puck in the net. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Great work, Freiburger. Great work, everybody on the deckheads. You know, uh, props to everybody that came in from out of town putting up with our fans and honestly bringing high level competition and then recognizing that we're not just some obscure town in the middle of a cornfield somewhere that we've actually got something going on here and we can bring high level talent and we can bring this amazing tournament to people. And whether you're in it for the high level competition or you're in it for the environment of tent city and all the things that we've got going on. I mean, we were doing the interviews and everybody just, now I feel like we're a little bit more on the map than we were prior yeah. to this July weekend. So, Absolutely. Um, and, well, and just to wrap this up real quick, and from all of us at Deck Hockey Focus, like everybody we talked about earlier, Chris Caspers, Joey Dwyer, Rhodes Dolan coming into town, everybody that took their time to interview, you made the weekend for us too. So your, uh, your efforts are definitely appreciated. And as amazing as this uh, summer season tournament was, probably the best we've ever had. Will the fall 2018 regular season be the best we've ever had what are some of the the changes some of the the news coming up for this season well right now i think d1's pretty consistent with the four there's i know there's some changes in d2 plus some big changes that are happening uh same with d2 those are only the conversations i've had but i'm sure the other leagues have a lot of movement and stick around for our next episode we're going to start diving into the league the teams and what's coming up this fall well i think what we've been seeing is with the summer tournament and the high level play at the d2 level i think that's going to transition to the regular season whether it be top level players moving down the league because it's competitive and worthwhile or the top talent from the low league sort of meeting in the middle and it's tough to see right now, not all the rosters are printed online and not all the teams are in there. But just from what we can see so far, some big moves that we've seen are uh, it looks like the dailies are starting a, a D2 plus team. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Any other teams moving up that you know of? Not necessarily moving up. I just know player movement. Mm. And without the rosters being out there yet, I don't want to name specific names or say anything yet but i do know there's gonna be some big changes in two plus for sure and in d2 i think the reasoning behind that is with so many of these sort of franchises that we see like right now we have the the d2 pulled up and qc mutiny that's a franchise deckheads that's a franchise eagles d2 i'm not sure they are but dailies will say loosely affiliated with mafia in some fashion but they they definitely they're their share, own thing, though. They share some players uh, here and there, but they're definitely a mobile team. And then BD Bandits as well. So I think the franchise format is really coming to the forefront, whether it be actually in the tournament or in the regular season. And that's where you see a lot of that crossover. And I think that just it breeds talent. And if you're a new player getting into deck, uh, if you can get hooked up with one of those franchises, it's really nice because they can find you a spot where to go. And then it's also great for subbing. Say you want to try a higher league or maybe even a lower league. Those spots will be open for you to try. And when you're a part of that franchise, it's much easier to do that and get more you know, competition, get more practice. All right. So with that being said, how long do we have before the next season starts? Do we even have a start date yet? August 6th, I believe. Give me a day or two on that, but it's... Uh... The first full week of August. So it's coming up quick. So 
Try to lock it in here. I know that they're going to be a lot of buzzer beater, probably transactions, things of that nature. But get your heads back in the game because the, the season, the regular season is coming back up. And we want to see a lot of that intensity that we saw these past couple weeks with the summer tournament and the playoffs right before that. Take that intensity into the fall season. And uh, I expect it to be, at least in the Quad Cities, some of the best competition that we've seen. And it's all going to be upward mobility here in the QC. So really looking forward to that. So that being said, couldn't be more excited for the upcoming fall season. But so what can maybe some of the listeners look forward to? What are some of the things that we've been batting around ideas, things that they can expect from us? So with the content that we brought in the spring, the regular episodes, we want to add on to that. And from the feedback we received from the tournament and the videos that we produced with the championship game and semifinals right now, a lot of feedback, a lot of positive people want more of that. So we're thinking about what we're going to call the game of the month. So if you want to reach out, let us know why your game or this matchup should be our game of the month. We want to bring that same video quality, same production value to local Springfield and Waterloo teams and offer everybody the opportunity to have that same video. So please feel free to reach out. Give us a reason why that you should be that game, and then we'll go from there. And that ends another episode of Deck Hockey Focus. Please send us any suggestions or questions, and we'll see you next time.